if this thing, hey, wait, just, you just know to pray. Every time I hold this thing up and we start it for the first time, uh, uh, Ron and I are just are dealing with little, go ahead, Ron, if you want to start it. There you go. Thank you. I don't know why it does that. Uh, grace. Uh, grace is what I want to continue to talk to you about today. Grace is more than just what we do before each meal, right? It's so much more than that. Grace was the topic of our message last Sunday, our, our Easter Sunday, and as we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For without the grace of Jesus on the cross, we would still be lost in our sin. And the penalty for our sin would still be on our shoulders. Without the grace of Jesus and the empty tomb, the death part of the equation would still be on our shoulders. And this powerful truth was seen when the angels, if you remember the video from last week, when the angels told the ladies, told the women at the empty tomb, said, go tell the disciples and... Peter, declaring to Peter and declaring to you and I this morning that there isn't anything that we can do that's too far, that's beyond the reach of God's grace. Nothing. There isn't anything too bad. You haven't done too many things that you can't come back into the arms of Jesus. I've got to be honest with you, throughout this week I have been thinking about grace and it's continued to be on my mind and I've thought about it in ways that I've never before thought about. And it began to unfold, it began to uh, become something new for me and hopefully it will open up some of your eyes this morning as well. I feel like I need to pray right now. I feel like I need to pray. For whatever the reason, I'm going to pray. So bow your heads with me, please. God, we don't want to just go through the motions this morning. Holy Spirit, you are here. There's a holy hush within our midst. God, would you unveil yourself? Unveil and reveal yourself to us and to me in ways that we've never thought of before. Lord, if there's anyone here, I know there we just heard about them. Lord, anyone here with a heavy heart, I pray that right at this moment they would give it to you as you whisper peace to their hearts. Lord, this is your time. This is your church. This is your building, and we are your people. Do with us as you will. Only speak to us this morning, God. Lord, you want to do a new thing within our midst. Lord, again, may we not just go through the motions, but may we, with bated breath, hear what the Spirit of God has to say to us this morning. Thank you, Lord, 
Thank you for your word. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I told you this word just kept um, going over and over in my head this week. Um, Have you ever stopped to wonder? I really haven't until this week. Have you ever stopped to wonder just how much of our life revolves around grace? Just think about a few things with me. Think about your ability to breathe. Your ability to walk. Your ability to smell. See, hear, laugh. The ability to use hands and feet. And I know some of you can't do that as well as you once did, but you're still here. Uh, The ability to taste. uh, To sleep. To run. Think about this. The ability, now you're going to laugh at this, but the ability to sneeze. Now, just stop and think about that for a second. Can you imagine what would happen if we couldn't sneeze? What would happen inside of our brains whenever we did sneeze? It's a pleasant thought, isn't it? There would be an explosion that would happen within our minds. And you wonder just how your pastor spends his time throughout the week thinking, these are the kind of things that come up to my mind. Think about our ability to read and learn new truths. The joy of family and friends holding a baby or holding your baby's baby. To be able to take a leisurely stroll through the park, to hear the faint whistle of a train off in the distance, knowing that every day we can enjoy the rising of the sun and its setting at the end of the day, and there are so many more things. I took the liberty out there on the bulletin board a number of weeks, a couple months ago now. uh, We had asked you to list things that you were blessed uh, over, things that you were thankful for. And I took down a couple of those cards, and I want to read them to you this morning. If you've not taken the time to read, uh, there's some, uh, some of those cards. I haven't grabbed all of them, but here's some things that some of you said you were thankful for. A car that runs well. The sun coming up over the hillside at the church, it's breathtaking. I would say amen to that. I am so thankful for God's attention to detail. I'm so thankful for family and for rest and icy hot. (laughs) A purpose in life. Thankful for family, friends, vacation, and beef jerky. Just telling you what's on the cards. So blessed to work in a Christian school surrounded by godly people. Family, friends, love, and grilled cheese sandwiches. (laughs) Someone here wrote, I love my job. For all that he has brought me to... And for all that he has brought me through. Thankful for my family and friends in Hidden Valley Ranch. I say amen to that right there. We are a ranch family. Pizza and slushies on family movie night. 
Someone just wrote on here, they're thankful for toys. <laughs> I praise God for the clothes that we have, the food that we eat, the shelters over our heads, the music we sing in church, all the churches that we have, my family, my siblings, and everything else we have. And lastly, dill pickles and Reese cups. Tell me that's not combined together, Mandy Robinson. You eat those together? Thank you. They're separated. Thank you so much. I'd have to ask you to step down up here from leading music if that was the case. Now, go with me if you would, please. What would you say if I said that we don't deserve anything that I just said? Now, we all would agree with that. We all would say, you're right, Pastor. God's so good to us, and you know we just need to be more thankful. Seriously, if we really think about it, we don't deserve anything good in life. Anything. And some of you may be going, "Okay, all right, Pastor. I, I, wait, wait. You know, I, I see that you know you're trying to make a, a point to be grateful and don't, you know, don't 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 fail to give thanks to those things that God has blessed us with, but." Hey, everyone is entitled to be happy, right, and to enjoy life, right? But really, are we? Are we really entitled to be happy and enjoy life? If you take life at its most basic level, the Bible tells us that the only thing that you and I are entitled to in life is the verdict of guilty with a death sentence associated with it. For all that we are aware of, we know that we are born sinners into a world of sin. Guilty and death is the only thing that we deserve. We obviously have the ability to enjoy life, but how is it that it's even possible when we know what we deserve? How is it that we can enjoy life and enjoy anything at all? And I tell you, it's that right there. Grace. God's grace. That's how. Remember remember what grace is. It's unmerited favor. It's kindness. It's partiality. It's a special preference given to us that none of us deserve. It's you and I receiving approval, help, and assistance when we deserve just the opposite. And that is exactly what God has offered every single person. You see, folks, God's grace not only applies to our soul, it involves every area of life. Everything. Our ability to enjoy everything. Everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we were able to do and experience is only possible because God has allowed it to take place in our lives. This really hit me this week. It's like, wow, God, I never realized that. I was the one that wrote down pizza and slushies on family movie night. We loved that in our family. I didn't, never really thought of that as being an act of God's grace. See, because we had a death sentence on our lives, the mere fact that I'm breathing right now means that we serve a God of grace and mercy. We owe everything to God and His grace. 
Some people would say, well, Pastor Brock, we have rights, don't we? We have rights in this world. I mean, look what uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Independence. Well, let's look at that. This is what he wrote. I'm the history guy, you know that. This is what he said. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right? No. That's actually not what he said. This is what he said. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator. (laughs) With certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You see, Thomas Jefferson had it right when he said that our right to life Liberty and the pursuit of happiness only comes from our Creator. Not saying that we need to start a new church or a new religion based on what Thomas Jefferson said. But do you realize that without God's approval, none of us would be able to enjoy anything in this life? This, my friends, is grace. God's grace. It's my desire that When you walk out of here this morning, you'll have a new appreciation of His grace. You'll realize that anything and everything, no matter how difficult your life might be right now, whatever it is that you are enjoying, whatever it is that you are being blessed with, is only because of His grace. Listen, the Bible is full of examples. I'm just going to try and bust through these as quick as I can. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but you, if you want to write down the references, that's up to you. I want you to look at these. All you have to do is just look, and you'll see God's grace is everywhere. Acts 17:28 says this, for in him we live and move and have our being. Stop. Just your ability, folks, to breathe, to walk, to think, to move around, to work, to bend over, to tie your shoes, to comb your hair, just the ability to remember the days when you used to be able to comb your hair. Somebody say amen. It's not that funny over there. Just those times, Roger. Roger, I think there's a cup of coffee calling your name back there, brother. We say amen, right? It's in him that we live. Just live. I mean, obviously, we read into that and can see where God's salvation and his saving grace comes into play. I get that. But just your ability to only live. Your ability to just be. What another one? Oh, this is a good one here. Colossians 1.16. For everything, absolutely everything. This is from the translation, the message. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, got started in him and finds its purpose in him. This speaks to the grace of God, everything that he created for us and in us. There's another one, 1 Timothy 6, 7. Let's look at that. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Where do we get everything that we enjoy? From Him. 
What do we deserve? It's easy to have a pity party in life sometimes, isn't it? It's easy to kind of get wrapped up into thinking, woe is me, and this is just my, my own little world, my own little problems, and we forget to look at the blessings that God has laid all around us. God is the one who has richly given us everything in life to enjoy. This is the God of grace. Let's look at some more in Psalm. Psalm 16:11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's go on. Psalm 139:16. Your eyes saw my substance being yet formed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. In Isaiah 44, the first half of verse 2, Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshron, whom I have chosen. He formed you in the womb. The fact that you are even alive is proof of God's grace. Let's go on to uh, Ephesians 1. This is another translation from the message. I like this. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Wow. Had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and every one. Church, everything that you are or hope to be is found in Christ. It's in Christ that we get our purpose for living. Now stop. Do you know what your purpose for living is? That's a whole other message, a whole other series I may go into sometime. But do you know? What your purpose is in life? Yeah, we could go around the room and just start naming them. Is it good enough just to get a good job, get married, or maybe have kids and, and grandkids and retire and die? I mean, isn't that what life is about? I mean, mix in a little bit of God, a little bit of church. No. The God of grace has so much more for you and me. I haven't even scratched the surface in my life. God's grace allows us to find our purpose in living. The next verse reveals a little bit of that purpose as well. It's in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk. In them. Listen, from the moment of our conception, God, think about this just for a second. I, I played that video a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, Francis Chan, and how he, he created the stars and the universes and the galaxies and all that and just left us all in awe and wonder. Do you ever drive up over the hill here and does your mouth ever just drop whenever you see the landscape around us? I have a picture on my phone. One morning we came out and there was just a heavy, thick fog. Just, it just blanketed itself uh, over the landscape. And I took a picture. I took a panoramic picture of it. It just wowed me. Holding babies and look at the wonderful creation that God has made. 
God has made all these things and so much more, and he created you. You are his workmanship. He specifically designed you. He specific. Are you kidding me? I deserve death. I deserve punishment. I deserve, I, de- I deserve an eternity in hell. But yet, He created us. Wow. From the moment of our conception, God handcrafted you and me. We're not off an assembly line. There's no one like you. You are unique. He has a plan for you and me. It's a good plan. It's a plan, as Jeremiah tells us, that gives us a hope in the future. Why is that? So we can do good things for the one who created us. These good things he planned for us long before that we were born and even conceived. Folks, this screams of God's grace. You don't deserve that. I don't, I don't deserve, I don't deserve anything in life. Can we now maybe have a better sense of his goodness? There's one more in James 1.17, popular one. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Look, if there's one verse, I guess I could wrap up what I'm trying to say. It could be this verse. When you leave here today, I hope one of the things that you remember is that everything that you have that is good, internally and externally, is a gift directly from the throne of God himself, God's grace. Obviously, we know Ephesians 2 and 9 says, for it is by grace you have been saved is a gift of God. Not by work, lest any man should boast. Again, you and I have not done anything, not one single thing to deserve all of what God has done for us or given us. But because our God is a God of grace and mercy, all that we have and all that we are is because of His Maybe you need to turn to that special someone, whether it be a spouse or a friend or a child, and just look at them and say, wow, you're God's grace revealed to me in flesh. Last night, um, we were just sitting up, and, and I was working on this message, and I just, God just said, look at your wife. The mere fact that you're able to look at her and that she's still here. Tomorrow we celebrate 19 years. 19 years. Wow. God's good. Quick summary. Thus far we have seen where the grace of God took care of my sin and your sin, which took care of my death sentence and your death sentence. We could stop and say amen and be done right there. God has given us, the, he's given us the ability to enjoy the pleasures of life. Our very existence comes from God's grace. Now, the second half of my message centers around another side of God's grace. 
even in our times of difficulty, even in our times of heartache and pain, we can experience the grace of God. This is one where I, I will ask you to turn with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. A popular passage, a popular verse. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. It will be on the screen here. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Wow. <laughs> in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Folks, there is no way that you and I can avoid a life without suffering. There's no way that we can avoid times of pain. You see, Jesus did not say, in this life you may have trouble. He said, in this life you will have trouble. Knowing that trouble will come, what a comfort to know that the same gracious God who showers us with his grace for salvation, the same God who gives us grace to just enjoy breathing is also there to give us grace, His unmerited help and assistance in our times of need. Paul talked here about the thorn in the flesh. The Greek word for thorn is skolops, and it really stands for stake. Now, skolops can be interpreted as a thorn, but it's more accurately interpreted, translated as a stake. Isn't that interesting? Not just a little thorn that can be painful, a stake. This gives us a little different picture of what Paul just may have been dealing with. He was dealing with something that he believed was just more than a little annoying thorn or, 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 or splinter. He was dealing with a thick, big stake in his life. Whatever it was, it was big and it caused him a lot of pain. Now, have you ever wondered exactly what is that thorn in the flesh? Been many times that people have sat around a table and debated what is the thorn in the flesh. I'm going to give you just, uh, just for uh, um, information, just give you some things that people have thought that it might be. Um, John Calvin suggested that it was spiritual temptation. Uh, times of repeated temptation where it was followed by times of repeated failure and sinning. That's what John Calvin thought. 
Martin Luther suggested that it was the constant fight of oppression and persecution, the constant battle with those who tried to undo Paul's work, his work. Someone else suggested that it was sexual temptation. Never heard that one. And it appears as though Paul was not married. And some think that the ever-present temptation for sexual gratification haunted Paul as a thorn in the flesh. Now stop. Personally, I don't think it's any of these. Um, the word thorn and stake seems to indicate some form of, of a physical suffering. It says in the passage that uh, it talks about infirmities. Infirmities seems to be more of a word dealing just with something that has happened to the physical body. So what else could it be? This is kind of a little humorous, but um, it could be his physical appearance. You don't have to turn there, but um, in 2 Corinthians 10.10, it indicates that Paul exactly wasn't someone known for his good looks. Interesting. You can look at that passage for yourself. 2 Corinthians 10.10. Some think that Paul may have had some kind of a disfigurement, something that made him feel ugly and hindered his work. Some think that may have been his thorn in the flesh. Another suggestion is that Paul suffered epilepsy. Epilepsy is painful and often comes and goes, tormenting the one that has it. Another suggestion is that Paul suffered severe headaches. This is one of the oldest held opinions, and this really could lead into the next suggestion that Paul had eye trouble. That may have been his thorn in the flesh, which would explain if he did have headaches. Some say that after Paul was blinded on the road to Damascus that he never fully recovered his eyesight. And really you can see credence for this in the scriptures. For Galatians 4.15, Paul said that if it were possible, the Galatians would have plucked out their own eyes and given them to Paul. Interesting, huh? Then at the end of the Galatians, Paul writes how he wrote in large letters when using his own handwriting. Perhaps Paul's thorn was that he was nearly blind. Another and final suggestion that I'll give to you is that Paul may have suffered from a form of malarial fever. At the time, uh, this malarial fever was uh, ravaging, was plaguing the, uh, the coast of the eastern Mediterranean. And it was something that many people dealt with. But here's my point. Paul, like so many of you here today, he prayed that God would heal him and he prayed that God would deliver him. Several times he asked God to remove it. And you know that if there's any, it's not, it wasn't a matter of faith. We can go down that road too if you want. But name it, claim it. If you have enough faith, then anything's going to happen. I don't believe that either. If you know if there is one person in this uh, history of mankind who had the faith that would have been the Apostle Paul. He prayed several times and God did not remove it. But like so many of you here today, on this occasion, on this occasion, God answered Paul by not taking it away. Instead, he wanted Paul and he wanted us 
to know that sometimes in life, God will not answer our prayer the way that we want it answered. Instead, God wanted Paul to know that he would give him the strength to bear it. Sometimes, church, this is how God works. I wish I could say that in each and every time, God's plan is to heal the way we want. I've got to be honest with you as well. If there's anyone who had faith that someone would be healed, it was our family when it came to Jason. There's, we fasted and we prayed and we believed and we believed. I can tell you that it rocked Nanny's world. Those of you who were at the women's retreat probably saw some of the journey that Nanny was on. Sometimes you know that he doesn't answer it the way that we want. But at some point in time, in Paul's painful journey... He learned that God's grace was sufficient to carry him through his times of difficulty. And it's through Paul's story that we can learn the lessons of God's all-sufficient grace. Just three things quickly that I'll share with you. Number one, we can see that he helps us in our times of physical weariness. The times when we are physically tired. John Wesley, famous Methodist preacher or one of the founders to the Methodist movement, preached, now listen to this, this just boggles my mind. John Wesley preached over 42,000 sermons. Wow, I don't know what that is per day, per year, but wow. He averaged 4,500 miles per year. He rode 60 to 70 miles per day, preaching an average of three sermons a day. When he was 83 years old, he wrote in his journal this, quote, I am a wonder to myself. I am never tired, either with preaching, writing, or traveling. God gave him grace to sustain him during those times of physical exertion. Look, I wish that I could say exactly what John Wesley has said. There have been times whenever I've been weary. There have been times whenever I can't sleep. There are times whenever I get up because something's heavy on my heart with the church or with you or something that makes it hard. And, but I can say this. Every time that I've needed strength to go on, I call upon the Lord and He has always, always come through. His grace gives us help, undeserved help, undeserved assistance in our time of need. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But His grace gives us help in our times of physical weariness. Another one. His grace is sufficient for our times of opposition. Times of opposition. Paul's opposition came through physical, physical beatings, rejection to the gospel, and enemies of the gospel, those who even slandered his name. We know that Paul's name was slandered like crazy. Yeah. 
during Paul's entire ministry, when he faced opposition, he never gave up. God's grace made Paul care not what others said or thought him to be. Listen to this. But what God knew him to be. Let me read that again. God's grace made Paul care not what others said or thought him to be, but what God knew him to be. Sometimes that has to be the mantra of a preacher and of a pastor. Yeah. No amount of opposition could break him or make him recant or turn back. This is God showing Paul grace. This is seen in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. Look at this. He said this. Paul said this. We are hard-pressed on every side, (laughs) but we're not yet crushed. We are perplexed. Oh, but we're not yet in despair. Oh, we're persecuted. We're not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Again, God may not always remove the fires of opposition or persecution, but he has promised grace. We have missionaries right now that are living only on grace and God's grace. Unmerited favor, assistance to help get you through the moment. And the last thing that I'll share with you, God's grace helps us in our times of physical pain. Physical pain. One day, a man went to go visit a girl who was in bed dying of an incurable and painful disease. He took with him a a little book that was written specifically to encourage someone to lift their spirits, to make them laugh, to make them cheerful in in a difficult time of life like this. And he presented this book to this little girl. And she looked at him and said, oh, I have this book. And he said, oh, he said, have you read it? And she said, no, I'm, I wrote it. A little girl able to tap into the grace of God and find joy, find even a purpose in her suffering. See, when God chose not to answer her prayers in her way, this girl found that his grace is enough. That's why we sing the song, Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. Whatever you are going through right now, God's grace will get you through. His unmerited favor, his unmerited assistance, will get you through. As you're waiting for that answer to the prayer of whatever that might be, of whatever you might want it to be, God is telling you, I have grace for you today. There were a couple times, Dean, when I went to see you, and and you needed help. You wanted out of that bed right like that. But God's grace got you through that day. Carol, you too, the family. God's grace gives us what we need and will give you what you need for the moment. 
You just have to accept it. You have to give him your life and receive the grace that is needed to get through. Hmm. Um, how many of you know who this man is here? See your hands. You know who that is? Hmm. Charles Naylor. Charles Naylor. Um, Charles Naylor was Church of God preacher, songwriter. Um, he was born in Ohio, uh, converted in 1892. Um, Charles Naylor, I did not know this, uh, became the first Church of God pastor in Columbus, Ohio. Interesting, isn't it? In 1907, some of you may know this story, in 1907, while helping remove timbers underneath a tent at a camp meeting, at a tent meeting, um, he was seriously injured. Some, some uh, logs, some uh, whatever it was, fell on his back, and he was pinned underneath the tent. And I didn't know this was possible, but he dislocated a kidney. Have you heard of that? Uh, I've never heard of a kidney being able to be dislocated, but he dislocated a kidney. Not long after this, he was in a bus accident that put him in bed for the rest of his life, put him in bed for the next 40 years. But it was here in his bed of affliction that Charles Naylor wrote some of our most beloved Church of God songs, the Reformation Glory. Yeah. He also wrote the song that we sang today, I Am the Lord's I Know. See, that's a song that's birthed out of someone who experienced God's grace while in bed. That wasn't where he wanted to be, but he allowed God to minister to him and through him And he became known as the man with the singing heart. He said, quote, adversity is quite certain to come to us in one form or another. Listen, someone here today is still wondering why God has not healed you or has not delivered you the way that you want. I'm not going to go into all of this, but early in the chapter and even in verse 7 of the passage we just read, We can see where Paul talks about not allowing pride to take over. He talked about having received revelations from God in the body, out of the body, he wasn't sure. But he talks about this. And then he talks about that sometimes God will put thorns in our flesh to keep pride from having its way. It's Paul's words. Read it again. Verse 7, we see where Paul talks about not allowing pride to take over, and that's why sometimes God allows thorns to humble us and to make us dependent upon him. My mom has said several times, maybe one of the only reasons that God allows us to go through difficult things in life is just so that we will get and stay closer to him. That's a painful way to get to glory, isn't it? Maybe I'm speaking to someone like this today. You're wondering why God has not delivered you in your way or your timing. Let me suggest to you that maybe God in his sovereign will knows that you need a thorn in order to stay on your knees, in order to stay close to him, to depend upon him and his grace will help you. Look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying there is not a divine healing. There is divine healing. We serve a God that can do all things at any time. It very well could be that God is just testing your faith and He wants to know if you're going to turn to Him before He gives you the answer that is going to deliver you. But this is the beauty of God's grace. 
that even in our weakness, we can find God's wonderful grace is sufficient, is more than sufficient for our lives. I'm done. We're going to sing a closing song that um, I love to sing. Um, I'm not sure how God has spoken to you. It's between you and God. Would you bow your heads, though, with me? I want to encourage you today. Um, God's grace. God's grace. We sang it last week. God's grace. Grace, grace. Marvelous grace. The next time that you experience something good in your life and it's just breathing, or maybe the ability to see this afternoon when you go and enjoy a meal, would you think about God's grace? Because without Him, you wouldn't be able to even do that. The ability to get a good night's rest, the love of family and friends, it's all because of His grace. And we ought to give Him our lives for that. And then whatever difficulty that someone may be going through today, His grace, His grace is big enough and strong enough to get you through. Just depend upon Him today. Lord God, we thank You. Thank You for grace. Thank you, Father, for giving us what we don't deserve. God, we want to walk out of here this morning rejoicing. We want to walk out of here this morning. We may not have all the answers, but we know that you'll help us. You'll get us through, and it's because your grace. Lord, you have promised to never leave us. You have promised to see us through whatever it is that we are in. Lord, one of the cards that we read on this morning was uh, thanking God for everything that you have brought us to and thanking you for everything that you bring us through. Or maybe there's someone here this morning that's going through a difficulty. May they give that to you and tap into your grace. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.